in a world few have dared to explore. Two men set out on an epic journey to answer life's manliest questions. From the Fortress of Smoothitude in Lawrence, Kansas, it's The Gentleman Podcast with Glenn Stansberry and Brian McKinney. Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast. I'm Brian McKinney. I'm sitting to the left of the total eclipse of the Glen Stansberry. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's appropriate. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would sing a song that I came up with that um, is based on that idea, but it's really it's really involved with a lot of singing. Mm-hmm. You know, like hard singing, and uh, I don't know if. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right venue. Nah, probably not. No. I feel. Maybe maybe when the podcast's over and I hit, I hit stop on the recording button, I will sing you a song that I wrote based on the total eclipse of the Glide. I feel like something should still stay recording. I have a, I have a feel. Yeah, I think Alexa's going to be listening. So <laughs> <laughs> hopefully that recording ever gets, never comes to light. But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for that. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know where all the Alexa recordings go to. Uh, probably a file on me somewhere. Yeah. The FBI is going to listen to it. Jeff Bezos is listening at home right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of Jeff Bezos, Glenn, mm-hmm. we are co-founders of a similar site to Amazon. Right. But it's called Gentleman. Direct competitor. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact that Jeff is a little wor- uh, weirded out, scared, maybe yeah. a little nervous Yeah. about Gentleman.com. Can you blame him? We not only offer products, we offer ideas. Mm-hmm. In addition, we're like Amazon 2.0, if you will. Fully realized. Right. So, yeah, Jeff Bezos' vision is like a decade behind ours, mm-hmm. at least. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mm-hmm. want to say we're, you know, 20 years ahead of our time, mm-hmm. 30 years ahead of our time. But, you know, if the shoe fits, what are you going to do? Put it on and wear it all That's over the place. Walk around town. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, Glenn, let's, let's tell these nice people... A couple more things about Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com is a great place to go for all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Information, uh, cool stuff to buy, cool stuff to build, cool stuff to think about. Um, great discussions. Great discussions. All kinds of stuff. We've got it all. It's like the Swiss Army knife of websites. Mm-hmm. And um, then in addition to that, but wait, there's more. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a little site called podcast.gentleman.com. Where you can go and listen to 119 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast, which is pretty incredible, really. Mm-hmm. And this is all. This is, by the way, uh, this is buy one get one free. Buy one get all free. Buy one for free and get the second one oh. at no additional cost. Oh, I see. Yeah, is basically the deal. Yeah, it's like a limited time only special. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to gentleman.com, you can also go to podcast.gentleman.com. Mm-hmm. The only thing we ask is that. You you listen to what you take, and you only take what you'll listen to. Which we trust is all 119 previous episodes. Uh, and after you do that, you can... Wow. Uh, what you'll definitely want to do is get in touch with us, uh, both of me and Glenn, uh, and probably ring our necks. And you can do yep. that um, by... You can do that through the U.S. Postal Service... Uh, you can send us a letter to P.O. Box 442-305, Lawrence, Kansas, 66044, where we will get your letter. We will look at it carefully. Then we will open it, discuss it, 
slap it up on the hall slash wall of fame, which we know is the hall of fame. And then we're going to talk about it on the gentleman podcast when we get a chance. Uh, and then depending on the tenor of your letter, mm-hmm. something will be sent back to you. It's hard to say, you know, what that is. If you're an alto. Look right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Bass. Mumble saying bass. <laughs> uh, anyway, the point is we might send you something back in return if you send us something. That's right. A little letter, you mm-hmm. know, but if you can't do that, that's fine. We, we understand. We get it. You're busy, busy people out there. You're busy listening to 119 episodes of the Gentleman Podcast. You can't make it out of your house. You're just so captivated. You don't want to drive all the way down to the post office. Uh, so what you can do in that case is you can pop your browser open, go to your favorite email client, and um, send an email over to howdyatgentleman.com. Or you could go to Facebook, Twitter, uh, various other social networks, and get in touch with us via those means. We're always listening. We're always listening. We've got we've got ears everywhere. Right. We're all ears. <laughs> Can't touch with no this. brain, no brain, all ears, <laughs> and well, anyway. Uh, so anyway, let's uh, move on to the meat of the episode, which is the drink of the week this week. Brian, the drink of the week is a surprising one. I was at the liquor store. Could sneak up on you. Yeah. Well, d- exactly. The, the, it's the samurai, mm-hmm. Brian, the rice ale from the Great Divide Brewing Company, which is a solid brewery based out of Colorado. But yeah, I was in the liquor store. And we're starting to see the implosion already of the Oktoberfest, which, look, I'll, I'm the first one in line for an Oktoberfest. It's my favorite yeah. beer, hands down. Yep. But, like we were saying before the show started, and we've said, we're on record many times, can't get behind this, people. Right. It's not even, we're not even sniffing October. It's earlier and earlier every year. Every year. We're going to have like a Christmas Oktoberfest pretty soon here. I feel like we're going to start seeing it in June. Yeah. Or May or something. Yep. At some point, they this were is two years away. Or something. they were in July. They had some in July. Uh, anyway, yeah, it, it's just the same thing with the the pumpkin ales and the anyway. Yeah, your seasonal stuff is now getting earlier and earlier. Which I'm excited about, but it's got to be. I think it's got to be September before you can get in the Oktoberfest. It has to feel right outside. Yeah. September's kind of the month in Kansas where it starts to feel good. And I will say, today was maybe the first day yeah. in a long time it's felt good outside. True. So. Anyway, all that to say, yeah. I put my foot down and, and, you know, cooler heads prevailed and I got something other than an Oktoberfest, which is the Samurai Rice Sale from Great Divide. Nice. And it was surprising in a number of ways. One, this is a beer that they had discontinued hmm. and they resurrected back from the dead. Uh, I think they, they discontinued it in 2012, but they've resurrected it in can form. Hmm. And so uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. Maybe there's a reason why it died. Um but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it could have been <laughs> could have been Harakiri. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, um, okay, Glenn. Uh, well, uh, why don't we? Uh, want, you want to tell us a little bit more about the like? There's some stats on the beer. I'd love to, Brian. It is 5.5 percent alcohol by volume. Okay. The IBUs are also surprising in that we don't know unknown how much <laughs> the IBUs are unknown. <laughs> uh, yeah, so well, we're gonna. But uh, fortunately, that we are samurais of sommelier instincts. Beer, beer, yes, beer right, sommelier exactly. samurais, highly trained palates. Exactly. So we're we're willing and able to fill in the blanks as far as the uh, the IBUs go. So that's good. But Brian, let me let me add one more surprising component about this beer. 
in our proprietary mustache twist scale, which is a computer algorithm, right? Slash AI, mm-hmm. slash learning machine, right? Uh, slash, uh, you know, world beater, right? Um, we take into a lot of factors to crank out a highly specific and accurate beer rating, right? And one of the factors is price. Yes, and it's a big factor. You exactly, and unique to our area. Mm-hmm. We have determined that 850 is the median right. for a six-pack of beer. Right. The Samurai was a scant 750. That's pretty surprising. That's that's one of the cheaper. That's actually one of the cheaper six-packs you can get around here now. It is. I mean, you know, outside of doing a Budweiser or a, you know six-pack of High Life or something like that. Red Dog. Red Dog. Yes, <laughs> uh, that would qualify. Um, Land Shark. I, no, I mean it, even. I was trying to think. I think the other day I got some Shinerbach. Yeah. And that's one of the cheaper ones, and that's $7.99. Yeah. So it's just, you know, uh, Line of Kugels, I think, is $7.99, maybe. Line um, But that's pretty low. That's pretty low. That's one of the lower ones. Now, it is in cans. Right. But most there's there's like $10 beers here that's, that are in cans. There was, there was another beer that I almost got that was a... San Diego style pale ale, and I was in my head. I'm thinking, oh, is it San Diego San style? Because it's expensive. Right. It was. It was eleven dollars <laughs> for a six pack of cans, <laughs> and it was a pale ale. Uh, man. Anyway, San Diego style. San Diego. That's style. the kind of that's the kind of beer I'd be making. San Diego style. <laughs> Thirteen dollars six pack, please. <laughs> uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's pop the samurais. Uh, I like the, I like their uh, I like their. The graphics on the can. That's very yeah, the highly, highly attuned to marketing. Yes. So, cheers. Cheers. Hmm. Smells like soju. It's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. It's kind of um, like almost a little sweet. Yeah. It's pretty solid. Uh, it's pretty flavorful, and then. It's almost like a, it's like a heavy Coors Light or something. Yeah, I don't understand how to I, describe my, it. My my mouth can't figure out what's going on. I think it's the rice. <sighs> yeah, I, I like it. It's like a, it's it's, it's a, like a really intense Coors Light. Is yeah, what it reminds me of. Yep, it's like super intense Coors Light. It's like gold bullet, <laughs> silver. Um, okay, Glenn. Well, if you hmm. if you had to put a, a rating on this. Uh, Course, like, I mean, samurai, uh, samurai light. Rice ale. What would you, what would you put on it? Hmm. Well, it's I actually think it's pretty interesting tasting it. I that's probably a calling it Coors Light heavy is pretty. That's a pretty low blow. It's not meant to be derogatory. It's the same like feel and like it's yeah, very it's just, thin, but yeah. still. Yeah. I like this. It's complex yeah. and weird, and mm-hmm. but not in a bad way. Agreed. Yeah. Could I drink five of them? Maybe. Maybe. Surely drink two or three. Yeah. Um, which is good, because we have a couple sitting in front of us right, right now, Brian. Right. Uh, that's handy. I think... I think... And the price is nice. Yeah, the price is real nice. That's true. That that really helps quite a bit. So, I, I like this. I'm going to give it an 8.3. 8.3? 8. 8. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna say... Yeah, I'm just going to say 8.1. Mm-hmm. Um, not, you know, super great, but the price really... Yeah. That's, that, that's a very good price. I was pretty shocked when you said it was... Uh, yeah, seven forty nine. That's a pretty he- hefty deal on a a nice tasting, you know, flavorful six pack of beer. Yeah. So, if yeah. if it's not that cheap where you are, 
I would say that the rating goes down quite a bit for me. Yeah, yeah. If it was ten bucks or something, it's not. It's in the sevens. Yeah, for sure. But you know, at that price, that's a heck of a deal. It is a rice ale. Interesting. Okay, Glenn. Well, the fact of the matter is, unfortunately, we just talked about a great deal, and it makes no difference. No, because what we think doesn't matter. What really does matter is what the empirical mustache twist scale computer thinks of this beer. And how this works is we basically type in some facts and figures into the computer. And thanks to the magic of deep learning and artificial intelligence, we actually get back a scientifically provable empirical score for the Great Divide Samurai Rice Ale. You take it to the bank. Yeah. So I'm going to type in some facts here real quick. Okay. So we said, let me just review here. We said, oh, what were you you saying on the IBUs? What level of IBUs were you saying? Gosh. 10? Tough. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say 10, 15, something like that. I don't know that. if there are hops in it. Yeah. I think there probably are, but... They're hiding. They're, they're, let's Very just call sneaky. it 12 and a half Please. IBUs. 12.5 IBUs. Okay. 12.5. I think that's pretty accurate. All right. Maybe 12.6. Okay. I'm not sure. Maybe 12.55. Okay. But I think it's somewhere in that range. I think that's fair. Um, so anyway, we said the IBUs were 12.55 or so. Um, I'm going to say 12.55. Um... <laughs> The so the alcohol by volume was five point five percent. This is brewed in Colorado, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got uh, mm. it's it's a rice ale. And then um, we said the price was seven forty nine. So uh, we just got to give the mustache with scale computer uh, one hot minute to print off, think about, and then print off a score for this uh, for this rice ale. Brian, you know what this reminds me of? No. Soju. In what way? It's made from rice. I was going to say, this really doesn't taste like soju at all. If it was, it would be a problem. And there's that mis- mystical element about it? Yeah, Let me true. Speaking of <clears throat> mystical elements, I love the Great Divide's descriptive sentence they use to lead mm-hmm. in here to hook, right? Mm-hmm. To get you to buy the, ear, buy the beer. Samurai is the perfect beer for your Zen garden after battle or your patio after a long day of work. Ah, nice. So that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. I need a Zen garden. Pa- I have a patio I could sit at after work. There you go. Yeah, so maybe I'll maybe that'll come in handy. Okay, uh, let me go grab this print off from the MTS computer. I know it's done by now, so um, I'm just gonna go grab it. Okay, and then we will um, we will know the empirical rating for the uh, the samurai ale here. Let me uh, skip this. Okay. Alrighty, well, um, let's see here. I gotta, you know, I never know exactly what page the reports are. You know, uh, back here somewhere. Maps of Japan. Yeah. History of Samurais. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oakside paintings. So, uh, it looks like the MTS computer weighs in and says this is an 8.2 on the MTS quails. So... Wow. There you have it. That's really good. Yeah. Uh, you know, fairly close to our ratings, but, you know, um, I guess with all the data and artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. it turns out it's an 8.2. They So we were both pretty close. Maybe we're machine learning. Could be. Elon Musk says we're all in a uh, all in a uh, simulation. So, Wait, like the Matrix? Something like that, yeah. So anyway, Glenn, let's, that's too heavy for uh, this podcast. Gonna but, say, uh, you're going to elaberate on that? No, I'm not going to. No, 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 no. That's I'm not going to elaborate. Don't worry, don't worry. That's for a three cigar um, conversation. Yeah. 
Uh, so anyway, Glenn, well, let's get into some interesting clothes from Gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. Let's right. lighten it up a little bit. Right. Because yeah. we don't wow. want to make things too heavy around here. Right. Well, <laughs> so, uh, but speaking of making things light, um, up, um, this is a post from our good friend Ben Espen, and this is called German Woman Pockets Amberstone that turns out to be an explosive World War II era piece of white phosphorus. And apparently a German woman was walking down a, 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 is it on the beach? I want to say it's on the beach Yeah, it looks like it's on the beach. She's walking down, anyway, wherever she's walking, she looks down and she sees this big piece, oh, on a riverbank, she sees this big chunk of amber, and she says, well, no one else is around, I'll just... I've seen Jurassic Park. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So she kind of picks it up. Throws it in her sweater pocket and then moseys on down the street. Uh, the problem is she doesn't get very far before it ignites in her jacket and she quickly starts on fire. Fortunately, passersby and firefighters uh, soon were there to intervene. There must be a lot of firefighters in Germany because it sounds like this could happen quite a bit. The, 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 the interesting thing I found about this, and she was fine, um, but it must have been pretty frightening to have it happen. Uh, but I was reading through this article, and one thing really stuck me. I, I, you know, you don't think about these things, but apparently during World War II, uh, between 1940 and 1945, uh, U.S. and British forces dropped a million tons of bombs in these heavily populated areas in Germany. Mm-hmm. And according to this article, experts estimate that a quarter of a million of those uh, unexploded, uh, you know, Things that were part of these bombs mm-hmm. uh, still lie underground, and fifty five or and fifty five hundred of them are diffused every year. Diffused in air quotes here. I don't know what that means. So, so she had white phosphorus in her pocket instead of amber, right? That's what you're saying? Yes. Um, which is, I've never, I've never seen white phosphorus. I guess. It looks like amber. I don't know very much about <laughs> World War II, World War II explosives. <laughs> Just not my expertise. Uh, where you know, yeah, I'm not I, an expert. Yeah, I know. It's like um, you know, when you're over in uh, uh, Vietnam, they still have tons of like, oh, sure. landmines that haven't gone yeah. off yet. So. Yeah, don't really want to go off the beaten beaten path. Uh, I find it interesting that you know you don't hear about this stuff very often, but. It's got to be pretty prevalent. I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of explosive material that just kind of lying around, and um, I guess you can just be walking down a riverbank and see a big piece of explosive sitting there. Gosh. So anyway, I guess if you're in Germany, watch your step. No phosphor or no uh, no amber. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, very fortunate person that she got out of that without any problems. I mean, you know, oh, fire- firefighters. Uh, hey, firefighters are right there. Yeah. Excuse me, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> Start blasting in the water. <laughs> Give me my hammer back. <laughs> it's mine. I saw it first. Mm. <clears throat> All right, Brian. Well, the next piece of great content we have from our community mm-hmm. is none other than uh, the gentleman member Le, Le Rive, right? Who has posted? It's like French or French Canadian or something. French Canadian. That that sounds about right. Yeah. Le Rive. Yeah. Right. Hey? No, that's Australian. Okay. Uh, the, <laughs> the Coast Starlight is the most beautiful train ride in America. And this is an article from Country Living. Right. And uh, it's interesting because 
it talks about this this trip this train trip that not only is it is it insanely beautiful it's called uh, the Coast Starlight and it's off of um, basically the West Coast like right. all the way up and down it right for the most part L A to Seattle I believe yeah and yeah. so it talks about you know the different types of terrain you have mountains you mm-hmm. have densely wooded forests and you break open the coast and you just have it's just intense beauty the entire 35 hour trip yeah and the best part is that you can take this train ride uh tickets starting at 97 dollars and there's all different sorts of uh packages so there's like um you can you can have a sleeper car and it's like 325 uh for that anyway the article goes into what, what what you expect when you get on this train ride but the funny thing is is that we have each ridden different segments of this trip. I think it's the same tree. I think cuz I I mean I got on it's the train. It's Amtrak. I mean Yeah, it's a, it was an Amtrak yep. from Seattle to Portland. Yep. And it was like right along the coast. Yep. And I so I assume it's the same one. I and, think it is. And I did from south of LA to uh San Diego. So, oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Which it goes down to, right? Let's just say it does. Let's say it Let's does. Let's say it does. I mean, it's beautiful, right? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, when you wrote it, were you impressed by just the views and everything that uh It was. It was it was very incredible. Um part of the part of the trip was right along the water. Like yeah. it seemed like you could fall out of the train mm-hmm. and uh, you know, uh go for a swim if you wanted to. Um the only thing that they kind of downplay here is that they they have this great picture that is this really scenic glassed area where you're supposed to like and in the picture it's so funny because they're all the seats are empty right but in reality you know the observation car is going to be totally full of people trying to get in there and sit down and sit in those seats um because (laughs) you can't it's it's supposed to be like part of the experience but how do you you know with however you know a couple hundred people on a train or something like how do you fit into one looks like yeah fit into one car yeah, I don't know how that works. I I didn't bother to so check I, that part out. I haven't seen that, but the 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 train that I went to had a little dining slash bar car. Okay, and so I went down there and I got sat and got a beer. Excuse me, sat and got a beer and um and just you know sat at the bar in the train and they had big windows, uh, and so it was kind of like you know you don't sit there unless you're buying something. Mm-hmm. So. It was it was a little crowded, but you know it wasn't so crowded because you're not because I get the sense that that room you don't have to pay to go sit down in. So right, there's a little bit of a deterrent there. So um, so anyway, um, so but that was kind of neat because I was I was able to see the big views and everything like that. I wasn't stuck in my little seat that I paid I don't know penny like you know probably sixty or seventy bucks for at the time to get down to to Portland, but um, totally worth it. I mean at a hundred bucks that you can't really beat that kind of uh, scenery and entertainment for 100 bucks. Uh, if you're willing to upgrade to business class tickets, you get onboard wine and cheese tasting. Oh, well, that's perfect. That's right. Oh, yeah, oh. exactly. Oh, yeah. Nothing like wine and cheese on a train. That's right. In a, yes, Amtrak train. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know about the business class, but they said that you can, what was it, $350? 325 325 for the sleeper. Super liner roomette. Yes. Ticket. Right. A bed for overnight travels and your very own sightseeing window in your cabin, which would be cool. That would be cool. I don't know if I would pay three hundred and twenty-five dollars. I don't know for that that kind of length of trip. Probably that's that's quite a ways. Yeah. Um, but anyway, if you ever get a chance to take take that train along the coast mm-hmm. in California, highly recommend it. I mean, it's it's really awesome. And and we were we were actually going. We had to go from Seattle to Portland, and so 
instead of driving, it's like way cooler to oh, hop yeah. on the train. You don't have to worry about. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, very cool, very cool. Well, thanks to La Rive, La Rive. For, uh, for posting that and letting everybody out there know to take the Coast Starlight when they're on the West Coast. Man, trains are pretty underrated. They are. I, I'd like to, I've always, there's an Amtrak that runs from Lawrence uh, to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the thing is, you have to get on at like 6 in the morning. Yep. And you don't get there until 6 o'clock at night or something. Yeah. And, you know, it, it costs as much as flying. Yeah. And so it's just, it's hard to, it would be a cool experience, but I don't know. It, it feels like that train is not worth it, but I feel like if there was a Lawrence to the West Coast... If there was a Lawrence to like Colorado a or something, there you go. Yeah. that would be perfect. Like Lawrence to Denver or something would be pretty I think sweet. you got a hobo that one. I don't think they have yeah. like a, a... I think there is a train, but <laughs> right. I don't think you can pay to get on it. I know people that have ridden it that, yeah. in that manner. Right. And it goes... Well, I think you have to hop off and get up. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. We'll, dro- uh, we'll, get, we'll draw a hobo map for, right. <laughs> for this. Um, the back of a newspaper. Yeah, we'll, po- we'll post all that to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's at uh, hobo.podcast.com. <laughs> that's just for, that's like a marketing thing, just to uh, hobos that are listening to this. Right. Um, anyway, Glenn. Hey, guys. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Glenn. Uh, moving on. That, uh, so, anyway, uh, this is, okay, so this next one, uh, this is something that I posted to the site, and um, I decided this should definitely be on the podcast, because I can. <laughs> uh, this, you called an audible. I, I, yeah, I... I Glenn sent me like 10 other things and I was like, nope, nope, nope. Here's what we're talking uh, yes. about. Because nope, I want to nope, talk about nope. this. Um, this could have been a hot button topic. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese is phasing out its animatronic bands, apparently. <clears throat> and uh, I think we have differing opinions on this, but let me let me just explain my viewpoint on this. I posted this and I said that they went off course. Chuck E. Cheese went off course when they got rid of Billy Bob and Fats Geronimo, mm-hmm. and I can. I, after that, it was so hard for me to come back on board with them. Um, but the point is, uh, Chuck E. Cheese is indeed phasing out robot bands in a number of locations, and they have an eye on ending the entire animatronic program in favor of live for, for performers. And the CEO says, "Quote: It's the biggest thing we've done for the look and feel of Chuck E. Cheese for two decades." Yeah, <laughs> he said. That he continues and says the uh, the kids stopped looking at the animatronics years and years ago, and they would wait for the live Chuck E to come out. That makes sense. I didn't realize Public Enemy was a part of this, but <laughs> um, oh, that's Chuck D. Um, so, Chuck D. so yeah, I, I'm kind of sad about this because I, I like the I like the animatronic. I thought when I was a kid, I was kind of blown away by the animatronic. You know, kids these days have changed. It's hard to blow their minds as much as it was when I was a Stranger Things era kid. And, right, right. Uh, animatronics were amazing. You yeah, know? the future. I, I, I only went so I had humble upbringing. I shouldn't. No, I make it sound like it was very humble. It wasn't. But my parents decided early on, no Chuck E. Cheese. We're not going to pay for this thing called Chuck E. Cheese. Right. <laughs> oh man. And oh, so that's tough. I went once. Tough love. When I was, yeah, it was. It was. I learned a lot. All right. Are you okay, Glenn? I was. It hardened me, but I think I came out stronger. <laughs> um, let me talk about some more. So, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it after the podcast. So I was. I was pre pre K here. I was probably. I was probably four. Maybe mm. maybe five. Right mm-hmm. around that time. And we went to one. And I remember sitting in the booth watching the animatronics and just like 
as back as far as I could go. I mean, right. it, it freaked me out. It was. It I could was definitely see intense uh, being horrified by them as well. And the one Brian that you you feel like was was a a, a pillar in the Chuck E. Cheese band, Fat Geronimo. Fat Geronimo. Yeah, was the freakiest of all. <laughs> The, the his eyes, the player. His eyes yeah. were just, and the way he moved his head, it was just. Anyway, I can still, I can still oh. taste that pizza. Oh man, I can still taste that. I liked something it. in it. I liked it. I can still taste it. <laughs> I, can, I can just, I can smell it right now. <laughs> uh, and the orange greasy carpet. Oh yeah, and uh, the, you know the thing about the original, uh, it was Showbiz Pizza. Showbiz Pizza. That's when, what it was when I was when I was up and coming, and. Um, it was a bluegrass band. It was yes. like an old-timey bluegrass band with mm-hmm. a little bit of... Fast Geronimo seemed more like a jazz pianist he, or something. I, th- I thought he was a drummer. No, the drummer was the, the, the bear. The drummer was the bear. Oh, like the okay. Big, yep, yeah, yep. Big, I remember that because he... Yeah, You're right. He was a piano player. Yeah, he was a piano player. He was a piano player. Billy Bob was the the weird cigar box guitar mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yep. Um, but yeah, I so I, I like that stuff when I was a kid. I like the pizza... And um, I still have a bag of showbiz uh, tickets that I never, uh, I never uh, turned in for a prize because I was saving up for something big. Wow. Well, well, you still have your chance, Brian. <laughs> Go and redeem them. I, I don't know. Chuck E. Cheese. They, <laughs> I think that this they, is an odd request. This, the sixteen-year-old employee there would be uh, <laughs> kind of surprised and ask what uh, showbiz pizza is. Showbiz. Um, yeah. I, the thing is. So, I don't know if you've seen these. There's videos on YouTube that I somehow stumbled across um, that are basically... Late nights. Yeah. Yeah. Googling, I was all alone. Uh, showbiz pizza. I Googled, yeah. I Googled showbiz pizza animatronic. Yeah. No, I can't remember if it was on Gentleman or some other site, but they basically were talking about how all these animals have fallen in disrepair. Yeah. And they have like creepy... Like their faces are falling off yeah. <laughs> while they're perform- was- Or their heads don't move. <laughs> yeah. And they're just flailing. <laughs> There was one about somebody that bought them, like bought a group of them or something. Yeah, man, you know what's great is like now I'm older and I have means. <laughs> if, if I could get a hold of some of these things, I could have a whole. I'm not coming over. Your I house. could have a whole showbiz showcase no, no, no. right here in my living room. No, I, but that's fine. <laughs> We're actually the podcast from downstairs or something. I, I, yeah, that could be really cool. You would have those in your house. Yeah. Oh man, that would be amazing. This is stuff of nightmares. Like, yeah. They probably become I don't know self aware. This is probably you know you could do like an AI experiment like Facebook, That's right? With That's Chuck right. E. Cheese animatronics, try to teach uh, <laughs> Billy Bob to negotiate with Fat Geronimo. You wake up at like three o'clock in the morning and they're playing like psychedelic rock. <laughs> like oh no, stop! What have stop. I created? Abort! Abort! <laughs> uh, playing Radiohead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, now that would be unsettling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. That's probably the far fetched. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's not gonna happen. Hey, but if it can happen to Facebook, that's true. I feel like you could probably put on a better it's true. experiment than the Facebook engineer. Yeah, that's true, it's true. So maybe I'll look into that. So wow. I'll uh, I'll check into that maybe next time. Uh we'll we'll continue down that road. We really have to explore this your feelings on showbiz pizza some more because mm. I feel like there's some deep rooted. They're very feelings deep down there. there. Um, okay, then. Well, that was some interesting posts from gentleman.com in the last two weeks or so. And now it's time for the toast this week. Mm-hmm. Just a couple obvious ones we could have done. Sure. You know? Uh, but instead I chose to highlight somebody that probably everyone out there has never, ever heard of. And 
This guy's name is Roy Lunn. And Roy Lunn is a an automotive engineer and designer of legendary prowess. Um, Roy Lunn's biggest claim to fame, although he's got many, is creating the original Ford Jupiter, uh, supercar, mm-hmm. the, the 4GT40. Um, so that's like the biggest thing on his resume. But he has this crazy career, and I didn't realize he just passed away um, uh, a week ago or so. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize all the stuff he had done. I didn't know about this guy, um, so I was kind of blown away about it. But uh, so I wanted to, I wanted to take a few minutes and talk about him a little bit on the show. Um, he was trained in mechanical and aeronautical engineering. And after serving as a pilot in the Royal Air Force, he joined Aston Martin as a designer in 1946 at the age of 21. So at the age of 21, (laughs) he's already studied mechanical and aeronautical engineering, and he's been a pilot in the Royal Air Force. And then at 21, he joins Aston Martin, um, and he oversaw the DB2 program and worked on their their car for Le Mans. which is the famous French Le Mans. the the famous French uh, car race? Yes, um, probably the most notorious car car race uh, ever. Um, he then came to the United States in 1958. Uh, he joined the team at Ford's Advanced Vehicle Center, but he was just starting out. Right, uh, just a young Turk. Yeah, at this point he was still you know like 32 or something. Couldn't buy beer. And, yeah, and uh, so in 1962, he his team created the first draft of the Ford Mustang in 100 days. <laughs> now, it was the, the, the Mustang wasn't really what came out. It was the first draft of it. So it wasn't like this polished thing, but still, you know, that's pretty crazy. Uh, and then so in 1963, he took a lot of that work and time that they had put into that car, and he wanted to go head-to-head with Ferrari and make the greatest sports car uh, in history. And so that's what he, that was his mission. Um, and so he did. He created the GT40 uh, in 1964, which won uh, Le Mans trophies in 1966, 67, 68, and 69. Um, he went on to uh, create or have a strong hand in creating the, the Boss 429 Mustang, uh, Jeep Cherokee, and the AMC Eagle. And wow, Jeep, Jeep, Jeep Grand Cherokee, just like the original, oh, like, okay. like the precursor to, yes. you know, all the stuff that we know and love today as SUVs. Um, so then, you know, he retires in 1987, right? Uh, and then he wrote three books after that. Uh, and then, um, so he, he passed away recently, um, but he was recently quoted as saying, I'm going to continue the work on future vehicles in the hopes that I can get progress towards sustainability moving in the industry my career i hope isn't over yet he was 91 years old when he said that uh so anyway he was always working always trying to move things forward um what an incredible uh career and somebody that you know i hadn't heard of before i sat down to read about him so um, i thought that was pretty cool but uh yeah roy lunn automotive engineer extraordinaire extraordinaire so brian i have to ask Mm -hmm. um you're a car guy Yes, aficionado. Uh, yeah, I'm not. You like, dabble. I'm not super into. I mean, I, I'm interested, and, yes. I, and I know a little bit. But if you had, if you had the means to buy any car in the world, all right. I, I think. Okay, I know you're you're a Mustang guy, right? Yeah. You, okay, if you could have your pick of Mustang or this GT40. Oh, the GT40. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Uh, it's yeah, it's an incredible car. I mean, okay. it's yeah, I would love to. Uh, yeah, that would be mm-hmm. you know insane. Uh, the GTs are legendary sports cars. I mean, they're you know even top year old. You know, uh, I think uh, Jeremy even has a uh, a GT or GT. So um, not like a classic one, but like a newer one. Um, yeah. Jerry Clarkson. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think he does. Um, so anyway, but they're, 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 I mean, very legit cars. And it's surprising when I saw the, the GT 40 from the early sixties, um, cause they have pictures of it on this article I was reading about him. It looks surprising. Like that his original design for it seems very, you know, it's not identical, but you can see all the things that it is now in the way that they designed it in the early sixties. So, um, just the fact that it's Crazy. had that kind of staying power and, you know, a similar design and structure and stuff like that is unbelievable. And they, they totally killed it, uh, in France. I think it was like the first time that an American driver was driving a, a car designed by an American that was built in America and it won that race. I think that was the first time that ever happened. Wow. So, um, so anyway, he's, he's had a pretty crazy, uh, pretty crazy career. Hmm. But um, anyway, uh, so I just thought it was somebody a little different to talk about. Um, like I said, there were some obvious ones we could have done, but this guy seemed like a champ. So, um, An unsung hero. An unsung hero, yeah. Um, so anyway, Glenn, a toast to Mr. Roy Lunn. To Roy. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Okay, Glenn. Uh, that means it's time for <clears throat> the... Um, Uh, And this week, Glenn, uh, I don't know if you heard about this thing that was going on, but there was actually a eclipse Mm -hmm. that happened. I'm sure no one out there heard about it. No. Um, So uh, I, I, I I was, I became enamored Mm -hmm. with the eclipse talk. Yes, we got eclipse glasses. Yes, and we were really excited about seeing this thing. Mm -hmm. I was I was talking to the people at my work and I was like I gotta go see this eclipse thing it's happening right now <laughs> I know we're supposed to have the meeting I can't do it I gotta go see this eclipse and uh, they were kind enough to understand they said you know once in a lifetime thing well so, once once every twenty years and we well yes <laughs> and uh, so we we went out and and, and watched the eclipse and uh, so I'm gonna tell you about my thoughts on what I saw okay and I'm curious about your experience mm, um, okay. now you were about what three blocks away from me. Well, so your experience I'll, might be very close to what mine. <laughs> no, my mine is going to be slightly different than yours. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah. Well, I say proceed, sir. Well, I'm, so <clears throat> I take my lunch break, mm-hmm. and I go to my house, and my wife and my daughter and my mother-in-law are waiting. Right. And I say, Glenn, family time. It's cloudy, right? But it chance clears. It clears. Yeah, chance of meatballs. Yeah, it clears if you go south. Oh. So about twenty minutes away. And this is like at 1240, and it was supposed to be 107, I think was something around there. 107. So I said, all right, let's do this. We pile in the car, Mm -hmm. and we start racing the sun. And uh, we go south, and the sun beat us. (laughs) But so we got, we we, we were able to, we drove about 20 minutes, 25 minutes south, Mm -hmm. um, and pulled off uh, the road and, and was able to. When it was completely like just before it went completely eclipsed, and and then when it switched over, we yeah. were able to kind of see it, but it was still in the clouds and okay, right, really didn't make much difference. So, so 
That's interesting. A smart move going to the south because everybody was trying to go north. I feel like, um, hmm. which I, we I was I was Laura was talking about it, but I was like, ooh, that could be a bad. You know, it could take a ton of time, and yep. you know, so I wasn't I wasn't that into traveling. So we said, you know, we talked about it. We said, you know what, let's just let's just you know we're close on time. Let's just stay here. We have a big backyard, so we went and got a blanket, and and right before everything went down, at like twelve thirty or so, mm-hmm. I stepped out on my deck. And I looked up, and there are a lot of clouds in the sky, mm-hmm. but I was able to see it starting. Like, yep. I could see the moon in front of the, the sun yep. just for a brief moment. And yep. so I'm like, all right, let's go get our stuff. And so we get our stuff, walk down the hill, set up shop, mm-hmm. look up, completely covered with clouds. <laughs> I mean, you can't see anything. And But we still have, we mm-hmm. still have like 40 minutes mm-hmm. before it's supposed to happen. So we're both sitting there with our fingers crossed. Thinking maybe it'll clear, maybe it'll clear, and by this time you can't jump in a car and go anywhere. I mean, yeah. I guess you did, but I was like, I well, I live close to the highway. Yeah, I was, I was like, on, by the so. time we try to get out of town, it's going to be you know. So I was just like, I feel like we should just stay here and wait it out. Right. It had just been sunny. I thought maybe it will clear up, but we seriously went through the whole time waiting, and the only thing it did was it got pretty dark. Yeah, it did get um, pretty dark, and then it was over pretty yeah. much. So you uh, couldn't see any of it. I didn't see. I saw it for like twenty seconds right at the beginning. Okay, but not when it was in you know the state it was supposed to be in or whatever. So I was kind of like, eh, that sucked, but it's no big deal. Then we came inside, and I had the bright idea. Oh, let's flip on NASA television, yeah, and because they were going to broadcast it, you know. And sure enough, they had a program of it, and they showed somebody. <laughs> they showed they were like live in. I don't know, uh, Tennessee or something, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. There's some other place. And, and, and anyway, it was like a guy and a girl, and they start showing it and their reactions. And then they, they show it on television, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And their reactions, they're just like, oh, my gosh, if anybody's missing it, this is crazy. This is <laughs> amazing. This is life-changing. You'll never feel the same again. Just effusing, you know, how amazing. Shut up. Yeah. I mean, we were just, just shut we up. just missed it. And so I was pissed. And then I was like, ugh. I mean, seven years if I actually want to go see one of these things, I'm gonna to have to travel, do all that stuff. Uh, right hot Springs, in my backyard. Hot Springs, Arkansas is probably the closest one. So anyway, Glenn, I know that there's people. There's two factions of people. There's people that felt like it was overblown. Yes. And there's people that were super into it. And there's probably people in the middle too that cared a little bit, but not very much. That's kind of where I was. But then once I saw it, I was like, Ooh, mm-hmm. that would have been a really good thing to see. Yeah. Well, there's lots of cool things that happen with Eclipse, right? Like, if you're in the shade, it made these, like, yeah. cool shadows. Saw some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he, not here, though. No. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, my brother was in Oregon, and uh, he got to see... They, they had a... Um, I think they're at 100%... Um, oh, right. Yeah, I occlusion. think so. Yeah. And they got to see it cloudless sky, of course, and, like... Yeah. He said it was amazing. He said it was really cool. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was about... It was pretty close to 100% here, and... Uh, but they, I guess the thing with with uh, Eclipse is that because of the sudden temperature drop, it just it can wreak havoc on the weather as well. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, I think that was part of it too. And we also had storms moving in. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. Yeah. It was just bad. I mean, it was just bad luck, basically. I was, yeah. I, you know, I was kind of excited to see it, and then it just it didn't turn out. Um, but made me want to like actually see it next time. Yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I think I, some amazing gentleman member. Oh no, it was me. I posted this to gentleman uh, about yeah, total loon. Yeah, total lo- total lunar. No, no, no solar lunar, solar lunar. Uh, basically, it was a New York Times article um, where they they. I guess there's people that are professional 
eclipse chasers or whatever. It's like tornado oh. chasers, but for eclipse. Hmm. And they travel all over the world to catch eclipses. And they say, they're talking about like, it is a life changing experience. Hmm. And, you know, at least for them. And it was yeah. really cool to read. So I was pretty amped to see this thing. And then, and nothing. I think but. you have to be, I think you have to be pretty into astronomy to really mm-hmm. appreciate it. Cause mm-hmm. I, I'm not, right. I'm not up on that topic at all. And so, you know, even if I had seen it, I don't think I would have been super excited about it, but I think it would have been cool, um, to see, but, uh, but yeah, I had the glasses and everything. I'm yep. ready to go. Um, and I totally, totally, uh, totally missed out on it. Thanks to complete cloud cover. I mean, it was, it wasn't even close. Like we were completely yeah, obscured. Was... Um, and you know, I think that the towns that we were talking about maybe driving to ended up getting rain yeah. and stuff. So it was like that wouldn't have even really helped. Um, so And then there are some places that had a high chance for rain and they were totally clear yes. the next day. So it was like impossible to really know for sure. Intrepid Gentleman member Chet Manley posted a thread in the parlor and was asking what people were doing for the eclipse. And he said he, he gave a, a postmortem. Mm. Uh, he was in Tennessee. Oh. And where they had, I think, pretty close to full... Yeah. Uh, occlusion, and yeah. he was saying that one of the things that happened when um, the full eclipse happened was, you know, it got dark, and then the cicadas went nuts because that they, happened to us here. Really? Yeah, they, they just couldn't figure out what was going on, so they're like, "Well, it's dark. Let's yeah. get this going." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say that where we were, it was a weird dark. Yeah, I guess you know, and we, I, I kind of expected it to be because we were we were pretty close to the area where it was. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. I thought it was going to get way darker, and it. I mean, it got pretty dark, but I was just. I was expecting like a full on, maybe not hundred percent dark, but I thought it was going to be like moonlight kind of thing. Yeah, and it really wasn't at all. Um, yeah. w- one of the things I read about that was kind of interesting was somebody went to go see it somewhere. Uh, I don't know if it, I, don't, I don't think I read it on Gentleman. I think I read it someplace else. Uh, but they were saying they went to go view it somewhere, and it was there's a big group of people around this area, and. Uh, when it was going on, people started like whooping yeah. and like going crazy. And they said it was so, it totally ruined it because all these people were making all this noise and stuff like that. And you just want to like look up and appreciate it. You don't yeah. want to like hear about it from all of you. So I would have been pretty ticked off about that too. But shut up. Yeah. I'm experiencing nature. Just, I want to watch this. Like, it's over. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It was about two minutes. Yeah. So it was pretty quick. Well, anyway. Well, there's always seven years from now. Seven years from now, Brian. We'll be talking about it again. Yeah, exactly. On Gentleman Podcast number 503. We'll talk about the insane cloud cover that came with... uh... Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so anyway, maybe I'll catch you next time and I'll be more more excited about it. I don't know. There's definitely too much hype around it, though, I feel like. Yeah. Got blown up way too much. Agreed. Eclipse fever gripped the nation. Um, Anyway, Glenn. Okay, well, speaking of fever gripping the nation it's time for the question from the gentleman mailbag this week oh right yes and uh this week glenn there's a little thing going on this weekend that tomorrow has been um yeah that that, yes exactly tomorrow that has been in the news a little bit it is A a boxing match between floyd merriweather and conor mcgregor conor mcgregor couldn't remember. I, was th- I just all I could think of was you and McGregor. <laughs> you and McGregor. That should be way great. cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. That would be way better. No, um, Mayweather so, McGregor. So are you gonna are you gonna watch this um, this fight? So I my buddy who Travis Peterson who now is moved away, but 
Uh, he got me hooked on boxing. Like, really? I didn't understand the appeal, and I didn't understand how anybody could get into it. And then I watched a fight with him, and I was like, oh, man. This is kind of... This is kind of... This is pretty compelling. Like, this yeah. is really... I got I got really into it. Yeah. I didn't, like, want to go fight somebody afterwards, but I was like, this is incredible that these guys can do this for so long. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but this is, like, 10, 10x the site yeah. that I saw in terms of hype, in terms of just the weirdness of it. This guy went from UFC to now he's just going to try this boxing match. Mm-hmm. But he's a beast, so it may work. Yeah. And Mayweather's, like, 40... Right. So there's all these weird things surrounding it. I'm going to have to check it out if I can find a viable... I was going to say, so you're going to buy the $100 mm-hmm. pay-per-view event. Yeah. That's interesting. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, that's I'm pretty... Gonna fi- I'm going to buy a... That's pretty committed. Russian... The Showtime... Version... Um, app. The official Showtime app with the $100 pay-per-view how do you, version. What's the, what's the Russian word for Showtime? <laughs> uh, Sputnik? <laughs> that's what it is. Sputnik. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, what I'll do, Ryan. Mm-hmm. I think it's called Das Vidania. Das Vidania. <laughs> um, Stoli? Yeah. Stoli. Stoli time. Um, I'll be stolen it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was that's the thing. It's 100 bucks. Uh, I, I, I'm not that into boxing. I don't, I've never really watched... I guess I have watched a match a long time ago. I don't remember which fight it was. I wasn't that into it, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, people love it, though. People uh, like it a lot. I guess I think a lot of people are... Used, <laughs> UFC fans though now that used to be boxing fans or something like there's that whole thing uh, but it's kind of weird I mean uh, you take it's it's like a it's like an NFL player or something challenging uh, LeBron to a basketball game or something right. you know I mean? like it's like right. seems like pretty much universally no one is going to give Conor McGregor a chance to get anything done which um, and the stuff that I saw about it seemed like it was just a big money making thing for the two of them. I mean, dude, they are set for life. I was I was really enjoying as much as I hate all this stuff. I mean, it's like I hate all the like. There's so much hype around it. And yeah, they went on this hype tour where they ran around and yeah. did all these like yeah, where they just showed up at a stadium and just started talking crap on each other. Yeah, for thirty minutes, you know. But there was one I saw. I saw a couple of them, and it was pretty. Fun. I mean. One thing about Conor McGregor is that he's very entertaining. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like almost a... He's almost like WWF wrestler kind of wrapped up in a UFC guy. Um, so he's like hardcore tough and, you know, pretty funny and enjoyable to And to insanely listen. Irish. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I was watching this one where he came out in like pink, <laughs> pink, skin tight pants with boots on and a big white fluffy coat and sunglasses. And he just strolls out there and just grabs the mic and starts, you know, talking all this crap on Floyd Mayweather. And uh, gosh, that was so funny. As much as I tried so hard not to get sucked into it, I just saw that image and I was just—I just started laughing. I was just like, "This is just too." It's just perfect. Like they, they, they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're it's doing. It's all a big, you know. It's almost like W, like I said, like WWF. They—they're—they're they're just trying to get people wrapped up in it. Oh man, it was the one I, I watched a bunch of them, but the one that killed me the most is they're they're throwing barbers back and forth, and Mayweather has like this backpack he's got with him, uh-huh. and Conor McGregor goes, "What'd you bring your backpack out here for? You can't even read." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna put in it, books? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty, uh, pretty interesting to see him uh, talk back and forth, and that was that was what the entire tour was was just them going around. 
talking smack on each other. Man. Uh, and then that it got broadcast everywhere. everywhere. It was just supposed to be a bunch of sound clips that people would, you know, put out on social media and <sighs> show on the news. Uh, what is there? What, what kind of? How much pay are we talking about for these oh my guys? Gosh. I don't know. I know for sure. So usually, because Mayweather is typically the bigger draw, he'll mm-hmm. get like over a hundred million per. As you say, I think I read something about somewhere where, or maybe he was saying he's like, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm not, uh, like a, I don't remember what he said. Something about not a, not a seven figure guy. He's an eight figure guy, or yeah. like a nine figure guy, or something like that. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> I didn't realize. I did not realize. So, <laughs> wow. Uh, total revenue, according to Bleacher Report, total revenue is supposed to reach $500 million, And the purse is worth about $390 million. So, so each of them would effectively be making somewhere around $200 million. Wow. Wow. <clears throat> For a fight that could only go a few rounds, too. That's just, yeah. I mean, it may be over really quickly. Yeah. Can you imagine paying... And the seats, you know... Uh, yeah. So, I don't feel bad going to Sputnik.tv and... Uh, oh, they're gonna, the, you know, Conor McGregor is going to make... He's probably going to... Ten bucks less. He's going to do that. So, have you... I don't know how it works with local bars. Do they just buy it and then you go? Or do you have to pay a cover? Or I think they usually... I think that there's more to it than just showing up yeah. at a bar and watching it. I don't think you can just go to like a Buffalo Wild Wings and watch the fight. Because that seems like... I think they might have to pay for a special kind of license where they have multi-tenant kind of things going on. You know what I mean? Okay. Like a Buffalo Wild Wings would probably have to shell out like a, you know, a couple thousand dollars or something like that. Because then people would come in and, you know... I, I think that's how it would work. Because certainly they can't just pay the... You know the fee and all right, buddy. That everybody else. So here's here's an idea. If we find out that our favorite local establishment, Henry T's, is showing it for free, we should go get wings. Oh yeah, I would go. Uh, yeah, I would go do that. I mean, we'll yeah. have to like crowd surf to get in. But yeah, that would be the problem with that is that <laughs> everybody would be down there. That's that, why I think that they could. I don't think they could be doing that. But maybe they can. I don't know. Sometimes I think about that stuff, and it's just how it works. So I don't know, man. Would you get in the ring with a professional fighter for $200 million knowing that yeah. you would? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't even yeah. done, Brian. Let me yes. finish. <laughs> yes, I would, Uh-huh. I would be like uh, Little Mac uh, training. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. Uh, I would definitely do that. If I had like a year to train or something. You know? Just so like you could kind of like just so I wouldn't get killed. The best the first... way to fall into a fetal position. Yeah, yeah. like the best way to to take a, like take a punch with your arm <laughs> and then fall backwards and end the fight without dying. Man, so here's something I was I heard about today. So one of the big talking points about this fight is that McGregor is using an eight pound glove, whereas standard is ten pounds. Oh, weird. Can you imagine having gloves that weigh ten pounds on each hand? And, like, needing to swing those fat. I mean, that's just incredible. Wow. That's heavy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is super heavy. Wow. I mean, I if you guys strap that, I mean, I never 10 thought about mittens. it. Yeah, I never thought about that. Yeah. 10 pounds is a lot. I mean, I'm surprised that you can pick, like, the weight that you want to use. Yeah. Is it? yeah. Interesting. That's pretty crazy. Anyway. See, that? I don't know anything about boxing. So, um, anyway. Yeah, I would totally, I, I mean... I would enjoy probably watching it. Mm. I think I probably enjoyed the smack talk more than anything. But yeah, I imagine the fight's gonna be pretty docile. 
Yeah, that's what everybody's saying. But then he, I guess you just never know. But I mean, he's not a professional boxer. It just seems like he's. There's no way that he could deal with somebody that's been boxing all their life. You know, just uh, at the highest level. The highest like, level. The highest complete, almost ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wins. You know, he's not Mike Tyson. Mayweather isn't, but he no. he wins everything. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, but I mean, if, like you said, if he's getting two hundred million out of it, maybe he's totally aware of the fact that it's. You know, yeah. But he's like two hundred mil. Hell yeah! I mean, why not? Yeah. Well, Think anyway, how many pink suits you can buy with two hundred million dollars, Ryan. Mm-hmm. A lot, quite a few, quite a few. Okay, Glenn. Well, uh, well, I guess we'll know uh, tomorrow what uh, what happens. Um, yeah. Tomorrow evening. My money's definitely not on uh, McGregor, even mm. though he's a great talking smack. Um, I feel like Mayweather's going to probably be able to back up. We'll have to see what the odds are going mm-hmm. into the fight. I don't know what they would be, but yeah, I don't absolutely. know. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, okay, Glenn. Well, that's the end of episode 120 of the Gentleman Podcast. Insane. It just it flies by so quickly for it, me. It does fly like quick. It does. Um, Much like an eclipse, total eclipse. Yeah. About two minutes is what it felt like. That's yes. I think there. yes. I think that. For many people, it felt like two hours. Uh, But anyway, Glenn. All right. Well, uh, that was episode 120. Uh, We will be back for episode 121 in two weeks. Thanks, everybody, for listening tonight. And we will talk to you for episode 121 in two weeks. Good night, everybody. Good night.